Lifestyles Unlimited presents the Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Over the next hour, we unfold your map to financial freedom. You'll learn how to retire through investing in single-family and multifamily real estate. You'll learn how to create cash flow and build wealth so you can have the time and money to live the lifestyle you want. Welcome to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show. I'm Mike Harrison, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. I want to thank you for joining me today. We say all the time that as real estate investors, we are different than conventional investors. And I'm going to spend the remainder of the show explaining essentially this behavior and why it makes us so successful. But what I want to get into is a subject of economics called behavioral economics. It's fascinating. You may want to spend some time and, and look into it or just Google it. And, and I promise you'll get lost in that whole study of behavioral economics. But essentially, behavioral economics is a branch of economics. And they conduct experiments to understand how and why people make economic decisions. And it's not always rational. It's extremely interesting to follow this. And, and one of the findings from behavioral economics is that the choices we make are shaped essentially by how those choices are presented to us rather than what the actual choice is. And, and for instance, I've, I've talked on the show about actual truth, right? Personal truth, political truth, and the actual truth. Those are oftentimes all different regarding the same subject. It's how do you see it? How does somebody else want you to see it? And then what really is the truth there? So we're going to spend the whole show talking about behavioral economics, and then we're going to compare and contrast that to what it is we do as real estate investors so that you can recognize some of this when the time comes for you to make an investment decisions. But first of all, let's review the basics. We, as real estate investors, we invest in cash-flowing real estate assets, single-family and multifamily apartment communities. And if you're just now tuning in, yes, we buy apartment communities of all sizes, of all price ranges, of all different types, right? Yield plays, value plays, hybrids of those. We buy everything from small apartment communities. Anything over four units is considered a business. It's considered an apartment community. So a five unit, and we buy five units, we buy eight units, we buy 12 units, all the way up to 500 plus unit multifamily apartment communities. And the way we do it as a passive investor, essentially we pool our money with other passive investors and we get this giant pile of money and then we purchase that, we, we hand that money over to a lead investor, a syndicator, and the syndicator purchases that apartment community and it's a business and he makes it a better business. He improves the structure of the business. He improves the mechanics of how the business is run and in doing so, he makes it a more profitable business and then in turn, we as passive investors get paid as partners in the deal. Personally, I'm invested in properties that are valued anywhere from $2 million all the way up to $50-plus million. Yes, a very big property, a very large property. But really, I'm not, I don't target a certain value of apartment community when I invest. What I target is a certain business strategy, right? Is this strategy in line with what I'm looking for as an investor? And the way it works, if that strategy aligns, 
Yes, I invest in it. And, and the way the property works is the resident pays the rent. We pay the associated cost of ownership. The remainder is cash flow, and that's tax-free for the most part. And then we take that investment, and we stack other investments, one on top of another. And soon, we're bringing in, per month, $2,000 a month, $4,000 a month, $10,000 a month per month in passive income, sometimes much more than that. But we buy our life back one investment at a time. Now, when I share this with people that I meet, you know, I might be at a dinner party or at a neighbor's house, and people find out that I'm a real estate investor, maybe that comes up in the conversation. Most people my age and older, they kind of give me the side eye. And I know what they're thinking. But they look at me as if I'm some sort of riverboat gambler, right? And that's their personal truth. They think, well, that guy's crazy. That real estate investor, I would never do that. I have close friends and family that still think I'm crazy, even after all these years of success. Now, let's take a quick look at what the other side does. And I call that the conventional wisdom retirement plan. On paper, the plan works great. In reality, this plan fails more often than not for at least 75% of the people who embrace it. And what's that plan? Go to school, get good grades so that you can go to college. And then when you're in college, it doesn't matter. Just get the degree. It doesn't matter if you have to borrow tens of thousands of dollars to do so. Get the degree, get the job, feed the 401k. Be sure you start in your early 20s. Okay. You got to read the fine print there and then feed it 20% of your income for 40 years. And then you get to retire and finally live your life. And that's when your body is the most broken. That's when you finally get a chance to do all the things you deferred and put off for the previous 40 years. And they will not make enough money to retire comfortably. And they know it. But this book essentially explains how irrational investor behavior is often driven by behavioral biases. And that those biases lead to poor decision making. However, if you understand these biases, and I'm going to share them with you, you can learn to avoid them or you can compensate for them and make more rational investment decisions. I like to think that as a real estate investor, we're making the most rational investment decisions. And I, I can, I can discuss that further with you. Just send me an email. But real estate investing is, one, the best performing and two, it's the safest. That's what I like about it. But these five biases that Taylor outlines, it's the perception bias, the loss aversion bias, the herd behavior bias, the availability bias, and the status quo bias. So let's go into these. Perception bias. What is that? That is where perception drives the price of an asset more than its actual value and more than its practical value. It is a bigger, perception is a bigger driver of price than actual value is. And real estate has these cycles, right? Look at, look at what happened to real estate uh, right after the, when we were coming out of the pandemic, 2021 and halfway through 2022, the price of cash flowing real estate assets increased. I had a, I had a home that I sold and it increased 23% of appreciation in one year. One year it went up 23%. Is that normal? No, that's not normal. I, I wish it was, but it's not normal. But people could not buy houses 
fast enough. There was a perception bias that was driving it. Just the fact that houses kept going up each and every month caused buyers to hurry and buy. What was happening? You you would go to buy a house and there'd be 20 offers. You'd put your offer in and then the... Uh, the real estate broker would come back and go, thank you. We are taking best and final offers on Friday till 5 p.m. So basically they're saying, hey, thank you for your offer. What's your real offer? What do you really want to pay? And they were just driving the price up. It was all perception bias. Think about crypto and meme stocks, how those went crazy during 2021. And yes, it was stimulus induced, but it was investing frenzy that made no sense. People were buying crypto. They're buying worthless stock on nothing more than perceived value that the assets, uh, it was all speculation. They were going to go up and up and up and up, right? If I don't buy today, it'll be more expensive tomorrow. Meme stocks. What's a meme stock? Well, a meme stock, M-E-M-E, that's a, it's a share of a company that jumps in price because of the attention of a dedicated online following. Yes, social media is powerful. Think about those Reddit groups. Think about GameStop, right? There's documentaries on this whole thing. On GameStop was just skyrocketing. The value of GameStop, if you looked at the business, the net operating income was was not great. Yet you have this stock that's 100, 200, 300% higher. I mean, it was just skyrocketing. AMC movie theaters, right? The uh, the pandemic, the government forced everybody to basically stay at home and they, they wouldn't let you go to a, a theater to see a movie. And so these theaters are sitting there vacant, yet the stock was boom, higher, 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 higher. It was being driven higher. It was all perception bias. Think about these things called non-fungible tokens, right? These are ridiculous, but it's it's all perception. People are willing to pay more because of uh, perception than what the actual value is. So a friend of mine took his uh, his two sons last week to one of those trading card conventions, right? And, and I collected baseball cards as a kid. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but he took his, you know, little father-son time. So he took his two sons, and they're kind of into cards. They're at that age. And uh, he sends me a picture of two cards, okay? And there's all kinds of cards now. You know, when we were growing up, it was really just baseball cards. But... Um, the picture is, it's two cards and they're Luke Skywalker cards. Okay. Luke Skywalker cards. One of these cards was, had a price tag of a hundred thousand dollars on it. And the other card, not to be outdone, had a price tag of $125,000. And you know, what's crazy. Somebody out there will pay that for those cards. Why? Perception bias okay perception bias the value of those cards truly just depends on perception if someone thinks it's worth that then it's worth that and then someone else may say wow it's worth more i'll, I'll pay you more than that and it just goes and goes and goes and goes so that's perception bias now the next bias and this is a big one i think you'll recognize it loss aversion okay people have an aversion to losses i have an aversion to losses the, but what happens is the fear of loss is greater than the joy of gain. And as a result, people make irrational decisions. Think about uh, young people and they're afraid to ask somebody maybe they're interested in. They're afraid to ask them out, right? 
Um, I tell my son, hey, why don't you ask her out to dinner or something like that? Oh, no, I can't do that. And the reason they don't want to do that, it's not they, they don't think about, you know, what if she says yes? Awesome. They all think about uh, what if she says no? Right. What if she says no? So just the fear of the no causes basically indecision, no decision, or they walk away. So people, because they're scared of losing, they make irrational decisions, right? Uh, At the same time, people believe that because of loss aversion, they believe that to get a high return can only come from high risk. And that's not true. I sold a house in 2021 and I had over a 300% return. 300%. 300%. I did the same last year on another house, over a 300% return. Yet, if I share that story with conventional wisdom, friends and family, or people I meet, the, the 401k people, they, they either think I'm lucky, or they don't believe me, or they think I'm some sort of massive risk taker. And if you know me, I'm no risk taker. I stay away from ladders. I don't speed when I drive, and I don't make bad investments. My name is Mike Harrison. We'll continue talking behavioral economics on the other side. Got questions? Call Lifestyles Unlimited at 855-497-4335. The Real Estate Investor Radio Show continues next. Lifestyles Unlimited members share their stories and strategies for success at case study events. If you got laid off tomorrow, what would you do? Would you have to be working at McDonald's or wait to try and find another job with the downsizing in the economy? Kept on coming to meetings, even with David Fisher online and stuff like that, but still we just like... We need to make the jump. So we kept praying for time to get this job done, to, to be able to find the properties. How do we find the properties? How do you find the time? And God answered our prayers, and he got downsized from his corporate job. But they didn't buy just one house, right? No, they did not. You rehab in house number nine. right now. Nine. Wow. So every month, the cash flow is $3,200. Okay, the equity of all the houses is up to 280000 Join us this month and learn from people just like you. Check in-person and online dates at lucasestudy.com. That's lucasestudy.com. Creating the lifestyle you've always wanted. You're hearing Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Welcome back to the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show, where, as always, we're working on your financial freedom. I'm Mike Harrison, and I want to thank you for joining me today. So there's a book by Richard Taylor, and if you don't know who Richard Taylor is, that's T-H-A-L-E-R. He is a Nobel Prize winning economist. And the title of the book is Misbehaving, The Making of Behavioral Economics. And I'm sharing this book. Essentially, this book goes into five biases that affect our decision-making capability and essentially explain why people make poor investment decisions or they say they stay away from certain types of investing like, I don't know, real estate investing. Why do people not, why do more people not invest in real estate? That's crazy to me. It is the safest with the biggest returns. Well, a lot of these reasons 
are biases and biases are exactly that okay they're a bias they're not necessarily the truth and so this book tries to explain some of that and so i shared the first bias is perception bias which drives up the price you know people think it's going to be worth more the next day and then the next day and then the next day and it and, and it drives it up and then the second bias is loss aversion and essentially loss aversion is people are more afraid of loss than they are the joy of gain. So instead of thinking, hey, I'll buy this single family rent rent house and I'll put a great person in it, uh, month in and month out, they'll pay the rent and I'll keep the additional after I pay the associated expenses and that'll be cash flow, right? And they'll pay the, the rent this month and next month and the month after that and the month after that. And pretty soon three, four, five years go by and we've got that resident that's living in that wonderful single family cash producing rent home and it's a great investment and then we sell it and we make a huge gain at the end well people don't think of that they think oh well if i buy the rent house what if the resident destroys it or what if they don't pay the rent or what if they're late or or what if we have to evict them they think of all the negatives instead of thinking of all the positives so loss aversion prevents people from considering alternative investments and it uh, essentially it doesn't allow people to follow um, essentially they get trapped into this risk return paradigm right they think that if it's going to be a high return then there must be high risk and that's not true right if you caught the first segment I told you that as real estate investors we are different now let me give you another example of loss aversion when I was in my 20s when I was young um, I'm buying stocks and I'm investing in mutual funds and I'm just trying to get ahead, right? And, and I kind of got into stock trading a little bit. I found a book uh, by a guy named Wade Cook. Does anybody remember Wade Cook? Well, Wade Cook's in prison, all right? But his books were all about um, different ways you can trade on a stock, right? Uh, and it's, I say trade, really, it's betting. It's legalized gambling. Let's call it what it is. But covered calls, puts, options, all of that gar garbage but there's a book by wade cook and it was fascinating to me at that at that age and so i got a little bit into this uh stock gambling um but at the at the time in the late 90s i bought a stock called lucent right and if you don't know what lucent is it was one of the the baby bells right uh, so at&t was a monopoly on the phone system in america and this is back in the day when our government actually cared about monopolies different story for a different day uh, they don't seem to care today but they broke up AT&T and they broke it into six seven eight different companies I don't know but Lucent was one of them okay and I want to say I purchased Lucent um, I, don't, I don't know let's call it let's say the share price was somewhere in the 30s all right and then what happens a few months later the stock starts to tank $28 a share $25 a share $22 a share every day it was worse and at some point when that share probably hit about half of what I had into it, you know, let's call it $15. Um, I sold 50% of my shares, not all of them, 50%. Why? Loss aversion. I, I couldn't even admit to myself. I couldn't look in the mirror and go, man, this is a loser. Get out of it. You know what happened to the rest of my shares? I wrote them down to like 30 cents a piece because of loss aversion. I couldn't admit the loss but it was there and it was real and I was such an idiot back in those days but I, I tell you that story to tell you this loss aversion is real loss aversion is real 
I meet people all the time. And then when people, let's say outside of Lifestyles Unlimited, and I love Lifestyles Unlimited because when I go to the expo or we go to a networking, it's all people just like me, all walks of life. And we're all real estate investors and we're all helping each other along the way. It's such a, it's such a wonderful, jovial, fun group to be in. But outside of Lifestyles Unlimited, when I meet people and, you know, like I said, dinner party, neighborhood get together, what have you. And somehow it comes up that I'm a real estate investor. Again, kind of get the side eye, and there are people that will literally, they'll climb Mount McKinley. They will elbow their way through a crowd. They will crawl through glass only to tell me that their brother's cousin's third wife's neighbor bought a rent home and it was a disaster and they lost all sorts of money and it was just a real bad situation. People do, they'll crawl through glass to tell me that story. Do you know how many times I have lost money in a real estate investment? How many times? I lost money one time. I have no one to blame but myself. It was the wrong investment and I should have recognized that. I know people that are in 60, 70, 80 different investments and they've never lost money once okay never lost money once why are you investing in the stock market because you're buying that mutual fund and it's got 400 different stocks in it and 200 of them are gonna lose and 200 of them are gonna make money yet you want to tell me that real estate investing is crazy because of your loss aversion friend I will tell you it is strictly a bias and it's not the truth Let's move to the third one, herd behavior, right? Herd behavior goes hand in hand. It's, it's the most common of the five biases, but it goes hand in hand with FOMO. What is FOMO? Fear of missing out, okay? It, it's people making decisions based on what the herd does. That's why there's so few real estate investors and maybe so the majority of people is an IRA or 401k or stock market investor. At work, we had meetings where everybody was encouraged to attend and they were either online or in person, but it, it was really reviewing the benefit plan. How can you take advantage of all these various benefits, including the company match, the 401k? Um, there were meetings about buying the company stock at a discount, right? How many, how many people work in a job environment where they're pushing the company stock? Well, as the poor people uh, at the aforementioned Lucent, right? I had bought Lucent stock when I, when I was a kid. There were a lot of people that worked for Lucent and they retired and they kept a ton of their net worth in Lucent stock. It was a dividend paying stock. How'd that turn out? Not so good. What about Enron, right? I think everybody should remember Enron. So so I say, you know, the company really is looking at it and they're saying, uh, well, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Dedicated Employee, I really should pay you more for the job you do, but instead let me bait you with some of the old company stock benefits, herd behavior. Now, there's another bias, the fourth one, availability biased. What is that? That basically says people will go with what's convenient and easy. They'll take everyone else's word at face value instead of their doing their own research. Hey, this this is a good investment. My father used to tell me about the long bond. He was, God, he loved the long bond. That was his thing. But I think in his world in the 20th century, it made sense. And so 
I mean, I didn't buy any long bonds, but I, I, part of me wanted to just to make my father happier or uh, knowing that my father wouldn't purposely give me bad advice, right? So I guess that's more about the availability bias. Someone you trust, they say, oh, you should do this. But people are making decisions based on convenience, based on what grabs their attention. And that could be through social media, the internet, friends, neighbors, colleagues, basically anything that pops up on your phone screen. Um, availability bias is, is a lot of what purchases uh, pushes people to make certain purchases. Um, but the bottom line, it's not always possible to consider all relevant information when making a decision. So human nature works with information that is most available and relevant to them. People buy into IRAs and 401ks because of the simplicity and the availability, the coaching, right? I talked about the work meetings where here's how you invest in the 401k. You click here. Here's how you say how much is going to get taken out of your uh, check each and every month. There are human resource staff that are there to show you how to do this, okay? So it's it's the ease, and, and a lot of people do that. Why, why do people pick um, certain mutual funds, large cap funds, value cap funds, small cap, growth, income, what have you? Because it's right there. The information is right in front of them. Click here. Uh, I would like to put 15% in the growth and income fund, uh, 20% in the large cap fund. Totally available. Um, is real estate investing available to the average person out there? I will tell you this, Lifestyles Unlimited, obviously, we are an educational and mentoring group, okay? So, yeah, we're out there, but I, I still think, well, I know for a fact most people don't know we exist. They don't know that there is educational and mentoring groups to teach you that. I didn't know it. I didn't know it at all. When I made a change to invest in real estate from the conventional wisdom failed plan, I, I did it on my own. Um, I thank my lucky stars that I found Lifestyles Unlimited. In fact, maybe next to my marriage and next to the birth of my children, this may sound extreme, but I can tell you that finding Lifestyles Unlimited was one of the most fortunate days of my life because they taught me how to invest properly. So the availability biased now Yes, I have information available to me, and so it was easier. I had mentors. I had classes that, that I was able to take and, and education, educate myself. But most people, uh, they don't invest in real estate for several of the biases mentioned above, but I think a big one is the availability. They don't realize that, yeah, it's easy, and there are people that will teach you this. Now, what's another bias? Well, the status quo bias, the status quo bias, right? That says investors will stick to what's familiar, traditional, well-known, or common, right? People aren't willing to try anything new. They're not willing to get out of their comfort zone. We're all, we're all guilty of that. Um, we're guilty of these behavioral biases, and they lead us to make decisions that are less that that deliver results that are less than desirable but successful investors those are the ones that are able to recognize these biases right they're able to recognize them and train themselves to overcome these biases or put uh, you have the ability when you recognize it to put your portfolio in a position 
to essentially take the human error out of the equation, right? Um, I have a GC that I use on a lot of my properties, and he hands a sticker out to a lot of folks, and the sticker says, it's not your house, it's your investment, right? It's not your house, it's your investment. So what he's really trying to say is, look, I know you're a little uncomfortable. Maybe you're starting out, and, and he, he deals with a lot of new investors, first-time people. He sure helped me my first time. Um, but, but what he's doing, he's saying, look, this is an investment. Quit thinking of it as your house, okay? You have to see it totally different. Get out of your comfort zone. Um, there's a lot of baby boomers out there that essentially that, that older generation and they will tell you that if you say, hey, what is the recipe for success? They're going to tell you, well, go to college, get the degree, buy your home, and pay it off. For them, that's what, that's wealth creation. That's what makes them comfortable. That's what during their time was successful. That's not necessarily true today okay what worked what was great in 1975 and 1985 is not so true today think about that today kids go to college they get out of college and what's different between today and the 70s and the 80s well the difference is that college graduate didn't have the debt like they do today that i think the average Graduate has over 40,000 in debt. Some of these kids are getting out and they've got 70, 80, $100,000 in debt. So if you're telling me the recipe for success is the college degree plus the home purchase, and that's what's going to create a stable, wealth-creating life, it has changed, okay? So don't get caught up in the status quo. Don't get caught up in, well, that's kind of what's always worked, and so I'm going to continue doing it today. The rules constantly change, friends. You have to be aware of this status quo, and you have to look at things differently. Uh, It happens in real estate. There's apartment investors that were taking on bridge loans in 2020 and 2021 and even early 2022. And guess what? They're finding out right now what it means to understand that yesterday's game plan is not today's game plan. So how do you overcome these five biases? What do smart investors do? You need to do two things. Get educated and be greedy when others are fearful. My name is Mike Harrison. We'll see you next week. I want you to remember it's not the money, it's the lifestyle. Make it a great day. Thank you for listening to Lifestyles Unlimited's Real Estate Investor Radio Show. Ready for more of the map? Visit LifestylesUnlimited.com. Explore our videos and articles. Click on the radio tab to access past show podcasts. View the radio show schedule and listen to our best of radio shows. Want to continue the conversation? Follow Lifestyles Unlimited on Facebook today. We want to meet you as well. Sign up for a free workshop at Lifestyles lifestylesunlimited.com. Until next time, remember, it's not the money, it's the lifestyle.
The information and opinions you hear on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Lifestyles Unlimited Real Estate Investor Radio Show constitutes an endorsement recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.